Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Gorgeous George and Goes, are you ready? Chunky Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on! From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We rollin'! What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes reporting for duty here on a Thursday morning. We're excited to talk to you for the next hour or so as we discuss the latest news in uh, mixed martial arts. We'll be talking about fight bookings, uh, uh, beefs that have been squashed, it appears, IV usage and uh, accusations. And we also have two interviews with Tabitha Ritchie, UFC strawweight, who has a fight coming up here in a couple weeks here in Las Vegas, and Todd Duffy. He's back. Not with the UFC. He's no longer with the UFC, but he's fighting for KSW. But it's a big fight for him, a title fight. That's coming up here uh, as well, but later this month. So even before Tabitha Ritchie's, my man's leaving for the Czech Republic, where he'll take on a former foe, Phil DeFries. They met before over 10 years ago with Duffy getting the edge there. But uh, this one's different. This one's overseas, and it's for another promotion. All right, so lots to discuss. We'll be right back to start the show. No matter what, what we thought about Volkanovski versus uh, Makashev, whether we turned in a 3-2 score for Volkanovski or 3-2 for Makashev, no, you know, just uh, other than maybe uh, a couple clowns and casuals, nobody said robbed. We all enjoyed the fight. The scores were, were, were what they were. I think there was respect on both sides. Oh, you called it 3-2 for Volk? Okay, cool. I had it for this guy. Vice versa, no problems. Then all of a sudden, on Monday morning, we start seeing uh, Dan Hooker very active on social media, talking about this uh, IV usage that he claims he, him and his team have proof of, goes against the USADA rules, and he wants to disparage Makashev. Now, granted, if in fact it was true and he showed us the receipts, Makashev could be in a lot of trouble, man. That would be a two-year, a possible two-year uh, suspension. He'd probably have to vacate the title. And, uh, yeah, it'd be vacant. I don't think they would give it to Volkanovsky. I believe, let me think here, yeah, it would, be, it would be vacant. But Volkanovsky would probably be going, now I'd like to be one of the two that fights for the vacant title. It, it would just be a big scandal, right? Well, here we are, goes, three days later. Still no receipts. Uh, since all this went down, Makashev's team has strongly denied that that happened. And we're all kind of sitting here with our thumbs up our asses because nothing really went down, but yet it got a lot of attention. You know, on the, I read the comments section, and there's people saying, you should sue this guy for just kind of mm-hmm. trying to, you know, 
throw your mud on your name, I guess. And I don't know if they will do that. Sometimes maybe that's what it takes to teach people a lesson as to what you can say and what you can't say about someone else. But anyway, what are your thoughts now again, three days later since all this went went down? Well, I would have I'm trying to put myself in his shoes and his team's shoes. If that's what they know, and Dan Hooker goes out and says something like that, he should be able to provide some kind of proof. If he doesn't have that proof, then all he did was give his, if he still believes that that's what happened, then he gave Islam Makashev's team time to prepare what they need to say and, and all these other things, right? Like, I would have just caught him off guard, you know? Boom! Here it is. Here's the proof. Bam! Right in your face. Now he kind of threw that out there, and who knows, like, what happens, who talks to who, who does what. I really don't understand why you would do that if you don't have the proof. He he put out, like, five tweets in a row. He sounded so serious that I I wouldn't say I bought it, but I thought, oh, boy, this is going to be a scandal. And I braced myself. Now, I'm I'm smart enough to know that there is a chance that this might not be true, right? And, of course, the longer we pull away from Hooker's initial tweets, the more I'm starting to think that. But at that time, I remember going, okay, let the chips fall. Let's see what happens here, and then we'll we'll, we'll talk about it, right? But, you know, again, serious accusation, man, when you start accusing someone of PEDs or any type of cheating or fixings or whatever. Uh, And and nothing's gone down. USADA has updated us about – the rules regarding IVs, the updates that were made in uh, first first rules that began in October of 2015 and then updates that came in 2019. But either way, what it looks like is commissions need to be notified. There's ex- exemptions for you know hospitalization. There's limits of how much fluid can be administered. All that, by the way, is on MMA Junkie and it's explained. I'm not going to read you guys the whole article, but Basically, it was them notifying, you know, updating us all about how the rules would be applied if, in fact, I guess this might turn into some sort of a case. But to all future fighters, you know, this is the deal here. And uh, so it's on it's on MMA Junkie if you want to check it out. But again, nothing has come forward from either USADA or the UFC in regards to kind of picking up where Hooker left off and saying, hey, yeah, there's something cooking here. Now, remember, up until about two years ago, the UFC kind of would update us. Now they don't. Now they only update us once there's already been uh, action taken, you know, like a suspension levied. And I kind of like that because I remember thinking that when they would put it out first and saying they were looking into it, it didn't work out too well for the athlete. It was always guilty before proving their innocence. And, of course, in our country, you're innocent until proven guilty. But at the same time, I also don't like the mystery of wondering what the hell's going on. You know what I mean? Yeah, we're hearing from mm-hmm. both sides, but that's no different from some guy that goes on some serial killer, right? Bodies everywhere. They finally catch him. You know, he ran from police, a standoff, and then the first day in court, he pleads not guilty. Like, you know what I mean? Like, come on. I want some sort of a fast forward button because I definitely would like to know what happened here. Yeah, I mean, 
can you imagine if that is true, the situation it leaves the UFC in? Because it would leave a title vacated, right? They're not just going to anoint Alexander Volkanovsky, the 155 champion. But seeing as he took the best 55er to his limits, how do you not have him fight for that belt again, right? And then what do you do with your featherweights? Like, at that point, you have to vacate that title, right? You just make Yair the champ. Like, I I don't see why he would be an interim t- uh, champion for that long. I, because, again, what if Volkanovski wins? You know, like, I, it's such a mess, dude. It's, it's so crazy. And it's a can of worms that we didn't even really have to open up. It worked out. It was a great fight, but it didn't need to happen. Right. You know, I, I would I would be okay with if Volkanovski did this quick. I will give Volkanovski that 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 respect and, and what's due to him in terms of we've tried it with Amanda, we've tried it with Henry, we've tried it with 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 Daniel Cormier, and we've kind of been able to pull it off. Still not at the pace that I like. So let's just say something like this did happen and they adjudicated it quick. And somehow we came up with Volkanovsky versus Dariush. I imagine Dariush. I don't know who else. Uh, perhaps Poirier won his way back in. I don't know. But if they did that rather quick, then I would still be okay with Yair defending it one time. I remember that being the case either. I think it happened twice with Barrao when Cruz had his problems uh, with, with injuries. Um, and then maybe some sort of a, a unification bout down the road. Again, if Volkanovski can turn it around quickly, but it's his history of fighting frequently that allows me to do that. I don't want right. to go against what I've said in the past, and that's if you become champ, thirty days, parades, uh, TV shows, Good Morning Australia, whatever it is, and then you figure out which one you want, which one you don't, because we've seen it in the past, it just don't work. Usually, it's because most fighters just don't fight as often to begin with. Now, imagine having to do this across two divisions but volkanovsky has been very active so it would all it would all have to do with uh how fast he can turn this around but again we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves um let's see what what comes out of it first but uh, come on dan hooker you, yeah the you you, you should have given us something more than just tweets is what i'm saying because it's yeah exactly it's just kind of left me a little bit in limbo you know what i mean mm-hmm. all right I did a little bit of homework, guys. Jim Miller is—he wants to fight for the for uh, the UFC at UFC 300, and I can't believe the guy wants to get to the 45th fight. By the way, in the UFC, that's incredible. But he fought at UFC 100, he fought at UFC 200, and he wants to finish out with UFC 300. UFC 285 is on March 4th of this year. The UFC usually averages about 13 UFCs per year. However, UFC 288 is in May. They always have a June card. That would be 289. 290 would be in July. If in July is International Fight Week and they do 13 per year, that puts us at UFC 203 sometime in International Fight Week of 2024. You following so far? Mm-hmm. I think what the UFC is going to do is have UFC 300 around the time of the Super Bowl. That'd be dope. That, that kind of brings it back a little bit. However, what they can't have is the stadium show. I think the, I think the Super Bowl kind of takes over that stadium for a week. I don't think they would allow for people to come in and trounce it all up mm-hmm. and then prepare it the next day for the Super Bowl. So that takes away from a, a stadium show. 
unless they did it the day after. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I think T-Mobile Arena will have UFC 300 the day before the Super Bowl. Are you into it? You'd have to lead into it. There's no way. Like, you're right. You know, if you did it the, the day after. A Monday, but, like Raw? <laughs> yeah, but so many people are, are leaving by that time and all that. So it'd have to be the lead-in. Mm-hmm. And yeah, T-Mobile would probably be the uh, the choice. However, won't the sphere be done by then? I wonder. Uh, do you know how many that holds, or how that I would know work? Much about the sphere, but I think T-Mobile's kind of more their jam because they got the suites and the history, and it's a proper stadium that seats like twenty thousand, which is pretty good for an arena. You know, I, I know for years the Lakers. Chick Hearn would always announce 17505 at the uh, forum. Uh, and then they went to Staples and got to about 19. And I think at T-Mobile, they get to about 20. So I don't know about this sphere or whatever, but I, it, unless you know more than I do on, on in regards to that, please chime in. But mm-hmm. I don't know if it's built for to more of a 20,000 person capacity. Yeah, I doubt it. So yeah, T-Mobile is probably your your uh your venue with the lead into the super bowl i mean that would be insane so keep that in your rear view pocket because otherwise they're gonna have to have less pay-per-views if they want to make ufc 300 in july of 2024 for international fight week is all i'm saying they're mm-hmm. just on a pace that won't keep up so if we if we get to it earlier when would they do it they used to have super bowl saturday shows for a long time and then they kind of cut them out. They cut out the Labor Day show, the Memorial Day show. Hell, even the end of the year show. Remember December 30, 31 times, the 27th. And now they kind of do the last one in early December and give us that little that little break. What, what was that? I loved that show. I used to love that show so much. Yeah, me too. Anyway, maybe they'll bring it back. I don't know. Because the, the next Super Bowl folks will be here in Las Vegas. I already know two people that are going, and I'm officially jealous. One is Carla Duran, the mm-hmm. daughter of Stitch Duran. She has this job with the Raiders, I believe, but I think it also has to do with hospitality, maybe the mobile. Huh? I just cleared this up not like last week, I think. She, so she works for the Raiders, mm-hmm. but she helps their team mm-hmm. on game days. Okay. So if the Raiders don't make it, would she be? Would she have access to go to the Super Bowl through T-Mobile somehow? Um. Well, man, that's a good question. Because her, so she works for the Raiders, but she helps the Allegiant Stadium team okay. on game days. So I would imagine. I mean, I, I would imagine there's a good chance she could be there because of that. The other one is Andrew Simon. I guess he co-chairs the committee that's going to welcome the super bowl but he was telling me oh yeah baby i'll be in that stadium next year damn it yeah <laughs> he goes what if we volunteer to did, did, did you happen to see that when rihanna came out the teams left the stadium and then they kind of darkened the the stadium over there where the cardinals play and then all of a sudden dude it looked like about 200 people rushed the field and they built that stage Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were all in sync. It obviously looked that they had prepared for it, and they did it, and they knew what they were doing because they got that thing up in five minutes. Then all the dancers came out, and then, boom, the show started. What if we volunteered to do the, uh, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll be part of the setup team or whatever, but then we have disguises. Maybe we have Carla take in a, a, a backpack or something like that 
And all of a sudden, instead of zigging, we zag, we go down a certain tunnel, boom, she gives us the outfits, almost like we robbed the bank. Mm-hmm. And next thing you know, once we're in, we're in. I'm in. I'm in for that point. I'll sell churros <laughs> if I have to at that place, man. I just want to make sure. Um, I mean, because I'm not very far on this little journey here. The uh, I want to do all the major sports. I've done an NBA final. That's it. So, I mean, in pro wrestling, I've been able to do Royal Rumble, WrestleMania. I still have Survivor Series and SummerSlam. So I want to start checking these. So, yeah, man, even if I got to go out there and pull your little Ocean's Eleven, I'm down. All right. Well, hopefully we didn't out ourselves right now. Uh, If you're listening and you're not feeling this, don't rat us out. All right. John Jones says, hey, DC, you're welcome to commentate my return at UFC 285. I trust that you'll be non-biased. Um, I don't know that John Jones kind of has that type of pull to decide who's going to commentate or not. I kind of like the way he phrased it because in a way he was like, hey, look, I'm trying to be civil civil here. I'm a nice guy. I turned the leaf. But at the same time, is he though? Hey, I kind of have a, a little bit of pull here and I'm letting you right. be a part of my return. I thought it was kind of funny. Yeah, I think it's um, I think at the end of the day, it's a little dig. Um, but not a huge one because you're right. He's got zero control over that, that sort mm-hmm. of thing. Um, so yeah, it's kind of like big brother, little brother. Like I'm allowing you to do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think Daniel probably just looked at it and laughed. Says he's in a whole new chapter of his life. Let bygones be bygones. He also tweeted that. I don't know if you saw this one, but I, uh, it sounded like recently in his house in New Mexico, they have a home and then a guest home that's apart from the home. Apparently, they had left the door open to the guest home. His younger daughter, well, I don't, I don't, he's got a few kids, but one of his daughters, Olivia, nine years old, she says uh, she go, she forgot something there. And so she goes out there. And when she did, all of a sudden, she heard a hissing sound. She then locked eyes with this bobcat who kind of like made a motion towards her and then boom, darted outside and left the, uh, the guest room. And so of course, John was tweeting, Hey, look, close call. I thank God every minute of today for what happened could have been scary. Could have been, you know, a pretty horrible problem. And I, I don't know about you guys, but I've been watching 1923 and without giving away a spoiler, I don't think it's, this is, this is a big deal, but, there's a scene where you see a big cat attack a human being. And it was a quick reminder of anything I've ever seen or heard about, whether it's a movie or documentary. Big cats don't play, man. Bobcats, jaguars, leopards, pumas, tigers, whatever. When they pounce, they pounce. And they have strong jaws. And that he's right, man. That could have been ugly. Yeah, dude. I mean... Jesus Christ, to have a bobcat in your backyard, like that that's enough to make me move. I ain't trying to deal with that. Worst thing we got here are like coyotes. I'm still yet to really see any around here where we live, but uh a bobcat something different. You haven't seen a coyote in person? I have, but not like in our neighborhood or even really too close to our neighborhood. What about at the at the park, the the one with the hill? I've seen them pretty up close. Yeah, I've seen them around there. But yeah. nothing where, like, when I put my head down at sleep, I go, is there a coyote out there? You know, like, nothing. Oh, yeah, like yeah, that. yeah. They do look like, 
a German Shepherd that hasn't eaten in about three months. Mm-hmm. They look a little bit more, you know, kind of that size, but kind of scrawny. Like, man, I'm hungry. No one's fed my ass. Um, but they are quick. They can jump high, and they will snag your kid or more than likely your small pet. So if you are around an area, and I've had a friend lose two dogs to coyotes, one in Irvine and one in Huntington Beach. It happened two times. Same thing. It was just a little dog. And she let it out. And, you know, we're coyotes. We've invaded their territory by building into hills and stuff like that. But they've also reclaimed it. This happens a lot near the beach in Huntington Beach, too. They're everywhere, man. I didn't know that. Yeah. No joke. All right, let's get to one of the interviews. We're going to talk to uh, Tabitha Ritchie today and Todd Duffy. First up, Tabitha Ritchie. He's got a fight coming up here. Uh, in Las Vegas, speaking of the UFC 285 card. What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes are back with another superstar from the sport of mixed martial arts. Today, we get to talk to UFC strawway Tabitha Ricci, uh, Baby Shark. She's going to be fighting Jessica Penne, on March 4th at UFC 285 here in Las Vegas. Welcome to the show, Tabitha. How are you? Hi, guys. Hello. I'm awesome. Thank you for having me on the show. Well, thank you for doing the interview. We're excited about uh, these fight cards that are coming up. We got a pay-per-view this weekend, then a couple more weeks, and boom, here in Las Vegas, huge card, the return of John Jones. I'm sure you're ecstatic to be a part of that historic card as well. Yeah, I'm very excited to be part of this big show, especially uh, with Joe Jones coming back. And it's also going to be my first time fighting for the big public in a big arena, so I'm very excited for that. Mm -hmm. Who are some of your favorite fighters, Tabitha? Well, uh, when I started my career, uh, my favorite inspiration, my favorite fighter was Ronda Rousey. uh, Because she's come from the judo background, too, and uh, she was the girl... Uh, that's farming a lot, and because of her, we have the the women's in the UFC. Uh, mm-hmm. But today, I'm I'm very inspiring uh, by um, uh, by Khabib. I love Khabib; he's my favorite fighter now. Yeah, and what about some of the Brazilians? Uh, a couple of them just retired. Like I, I feel like my heart is aching because we lost Shogun, Teixeira, and then yeah, Fedor Emelianenko over at Bellator. I'm like, what's happening here? Yeah, Glover too. He just retired too after his uh, fighting the pen, the bell defend. So I know. <laughs> yeah. So before we continue with the interview, I got to tell you, I'm jealous, and I'm going to tell you why. Because I found out you are a brand ambassador of the 805 beer. <laughs> my brother Brian, that's my brother. He turned me on to it. It's a great beer, and we're we're normal. See, we live in Las Vegas right now. Yeah. But we're originally from Southern California, so uh-huh. we're familiar with, you know, Central Coast, uh, oh, yeah. Southern California and everything. And uh, 805 beer is, is up there, man. It's one of my – I love the Mexican beers, but 805 <laughs> beer is a good beer. It's always – our fridge is always stocked with it. But you must be excited to – I know you live on the Central Coast, and then you got a company from the Central Coast that's uber popular backing you. Yeah. 
yeah uh this this partnership is very special for me because i always been living here in, a, in a california especially here in the central coast so i'm very excited for this partnership i do love the beer so that's perfect and uh i love the 805 crew and i had i had a chance to go to visit the brewing so I love everybody there, and I really uh, love what they what they like uh, show to the people, the lifestyle, the vibe. So I think that's everything like matching and same thing that I, that I value value too. So I'm very stoked for that. Well, we're jealous, but more than anything, we're happy for you to be an a brand, a brand ambassador for a fabulous beer. Um, but now we're gonna make you jealous because I'm gonna drink <laughs> in the middle of this interview. <laughs> oh my god well, you know what's funny is like you talked about ronda rousey and yeah. because of the judo background you kind of gravitated to her so as soon as i saw the 805 thing now you've become one of my favorite fighters because every, <laughs> every awesome. time we do a watch along or something we're always drinking them so you yeah, guys always go for 805 when you watch your UFC fights yeah. yeah, 805, Modelo. Like I told you, we like uh, some of the Mexican beers. Uh, I've liked Heineken mm -hmm. from back in the day. Um, but, you know, like I say, anything that has to do with California, usually we show favoritism. And and But this is an easy one to endorse because it really is a good one. So when we had gotten, you know, we get press releases of everything that happens in the sport. When I saw that one, I was like, man, good for her. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah. That's, just, yeah. that's a cool <laughs> sponsor to have, you know? Yeah, it's, it's badass. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm sure during the training camps, though, you have to cut the beer off, right? At least till after the fight. Is that how it works? Or can you sneak yes. one in on Sundays? No, no, I can't sneak any of the beers. But we all set up for uh, after fight. So we got to gonna have a celebration with 805. That's for sure. Oh, yeah. Where at? Uh, it's going to be here in Ventura. Oh, okay. I thought you yeah, meant me, me and my team. Yeah. We're going to do some uh, celebration here. That's awesome. Well, you got Jessica Penne ahead of you. Uh, yeah. You know, she's been in the sport for a long time as well. She's coming off a couple wins in a row, if I'm not mistaken. Um, tell us about that matchup. I'm sure it, it you know, you, you've now won two in a row as well, 2 and 0 in the, in the uh, strawweight division. You got pretty, you, you got to be pretty excited about facing a, a veteran like her. Yeah, I think she comes from a loss, if I'm not, I'm not wrong, against Emily Ducott. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I think so. Uh so uh for me it's an honor to be fighting Jessica because she's one of the OGs in the division. She she started the division and I think she was what the first one fight for uh strawweight belt against Joanna. So she fought a lot of great girls, uh Jessica Andrade, uh all the, the top five, top ten. So uh it's an honor to be sharing the cage with her. She has a a lot of experience uh she has a mo uh, more fights than me so it's gonna be a big step for me a uh, big challenge but i'm i'm ready and i'm very excited for this fight i think uh we're ready to put a show on it oh sneaking <laughs> in a beer happy hour you know what i mean so uh, uh i gotta sneak in a drink no i'm just I'm, I'm i'm obviously playing around you're right she did have the loss to ducate she had one two in a row before that um she's also a former champion at Invicta in the 105 divisions. Yeah, 105 yeah, division, sure. yeah. Her name carries a lot of clout. This would be a, a huge win for for you. And I wanted to ask you, where do you feel like you are in the division? I always feel like you have champion, title contenders, and then maybe ranked fighters that are putting themselves in a position to be a, a title contender. I'm sure that's obviously your goal, but where would you say you are amongst the 15ers? 
Well, I would say like I'm right on the edge of to get in the in the rank because I just fought uh, Poliana and uh, I, I had a victor uh, on top of her and I just Big saw room. that she got Big in the room. rank 15. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think I'm supposed to be right there because I got a win against her and she's in the top 15. So I think maybe after that fight, um, they have to put him up there, you know, like, so we'll see. You know, on that same topic, there are times where in, in your division, you, the belt kind of gets passed around right at the top. Yeah. And then some yeah. divisions, we have champions that hold on to the belt for a very long time. Which do you prefer? Do you want to be that one fighter that says, I'm going to take it from that dominant champ? Or do you kind of like things moving around like that? Uh, I want, if I'm, I'm going to get the belt and I'm going to stay, I like, the, like you have to dominate the division for a little while so you can prove uh, you're the best and you can stay uh, as a legend, you know, to be a legendary. What is the, if you look at your record and all the fights you've had, which do you feel is the best version of you in which fight? Uh, in all the fights that I had. Mm-hmm. I think the best version of me will be always my next fight, you know? So I think I was great in my last fight uh, against Poliana, and then I'm pretty sure I'm gonna be even better uh, against Jessica because I'm always getting better, always improving myself. I have the best team, so I I'm just getting better in this game. So I, my best performance is always gonna be my next fight. Let's talk about that for a sec. Paragon Jiu-Jitsu in Santa Barbara, is that where you is that your hub where you do uh, No, I'm Paragon Ventura. Ventura, okay. Uh yeah, tell me about yeah. your coaches, you know, who who are the people that prepare you for your fights? Are they the ones going to be in in the corner with you as well? So my corner will be my coach Loco Hin Ventura. So mm -hmm. Ricardo Miller, he's uh the master from Paragon. Everybody knows him as a, as a Frangia. I mm -hmm. also have my boxing coach will be with me. Uh, his name is Coach Haas, Joseph, uh, from Noco Heads. And I have my wrestling coach uh, from uh, W uh, Car from Hofrom. So he's going to be there with me. And uh, also, everybody's going to be with me in the hotel. My strength conditioning coach from ALX, uh, my Muay Thai coach, Julio from Saxons. So everybody will be there with me, my friends, family, my mom and my grandma coming from Brazil to watch me. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Have they seen you fight live before? I imagine maybe in Brazil or? My mom came to watch with my dad when I fought Poliana, mm -hmm. but my grandma, she never been out of Brazil. So it's going to be her first uh, traveling, first time traveling. Now yeah. We we get our personalities and our athletic skills, usually from our mom and dad sometimes the grandfathers you know how the whole thing works with genes right but yeah. who would you say gave you that toughness mom dad grandma who <laughs> resemble any of your relatives in terms I of think, like i you? think comes from my dad because okay. he's from judo uh -huh. he was the one that put me in the martial arts and uh, you know he's been fighting he's a sensei and he's been fighting and he's a personal trainer so i think it, it comes from hearing that the wire person mm -hmm. What are your goals for the fight? Now, make money. You're a prize fighter. Okay. <laughs> um, win. Of course, you want to get your hand raised. Yeah, for sure. But sometimes there's these inner goals that fighters have. Some say, hey, I, I want to get a certain finish, show off some skills. I want to grab the mic and, you know, maybe 
promote myself to the fans, you know, now that I'm starting to pick up some wins. So do you have any other goals aside from just the dub? Yeah, for that fight, I visualized I'm fi finishing the fight, standing up or on the ground. I think uh, the fight will be will be a finish, and I just want to jump in the cage and look for uh, look everyone in the arena. Say like, damn, that place is like packed. <laughs> That's what I want to do. I want to finish, and I do. I want to jump in the in the top of the cage and and I don't know, just look everyone screaming, <laughs> the something. Are your mom? Are your mom and dad? Are they all into the whole baby shark? The grandma? Will they? You know, will any of them have a, a shark fin? Like, can you spot them if you jump on the cage and and, and look for them? Will they have anything that shows <laughs> having to do with baby shark? No, we we don't. But uh, we we need to do something about it. I know that my grandma she has a, a grandma baby shark shirt. Grandma shark. Oh, no. So I, I wanted to ask you, Tabitha, when you envision this fight in your head. Sure. How do you see it playing out? Now, I know you don't want to give away your strategy, but do you yeah. see multiple angles, different finishes? What what would really make you happier in this fight? Well, I I imagine a, a lot of things going on, you know. It's going to be very intense. Uh, I think I want to put a high pace on the fight. That's one of my strategics, you know. Um, you know, I just want to make her tired and want to finish the fight. Now, I know... A lot of fighters say, I'm focused on my opponent at this moment, but it's human nature for us to kind of look ahead a little bit. Um, what do you see the rest of the year being like for you after this fight? No, so I always make uh, a go to the time. So last year I had a go uh, to, to be in the ring to fight more times that I can. But unfortunately, I can't control the circumstances that happen, you know, so I get like... Uh, Cheyenne pulled out of the fight, and then I had Jessica fighting, and she had some health issue, so it didn't happen. So I got to fight just one time. So I want to this year be a goal. I, I we still want I want to be in the rank this year. So I just want to fight more as I can. You know, if my body allowed me to do that, you know, I feel healthy. I, I feel fine. I don't have any injuries. Um, you know, that's what I do every day of my life. So I just want to fight more as I can towards to, to the big pal. So we wish you all the luck in the world. Jessica Penny, great fight. We can't wait for this one. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you so much. You are uh, in the mood for an 805? Salivating. <laughs> what a great sponsorship, huh? I can't believe that. Of all, like, uh, all the sponsorships that you could think of that surround you in your everyday, like, dude, that's pretty dope. You imagine that? Like, Get a Dorito sponsorship too. Be money. Yeah. Herb versus Jessica Penne, UFC 285 happening here in Las Vegas on March 4th. And when she said uh, the 805 crew will be there for her post fight, I thought, oh, wow, man, that's where I'm headed after the fights, after the watch along. But uh, it's back when she gets to Ventura County. So good for her. And thank you to Grace for setting that up. And if you haven't tried the 805 beer, try it. I I don't know if it's territorial or not, but I was at the Costco in Henderson, Nevada, and I saw uh, 805 there being sold, you know, by the case, just like you see like Modelo or Pacifico or or anything else. And so I don't know if a Costco in Jacksonville, Florida, or Cleveland, Ohio, if they have it too. But it is a West Coast brand, and it's good. Yeah, no, it's dope. Yeah, I co-sign. Hey, goes I. 
yesterday I was just kind of I melted into the couch, right? And I know I've kind of already taken this stand against Power Slap, but it was there. I saw traffic with Mariana Van Zeller, probably my favorite program right now. I caught up a little bit on Chris Cuomo. He's on News Nation. Just caught up a little bit on the news. That train that is fucking things up out there in Ohio, and and then uh, everything going on with the Michigan State kill, you know, the shooting, and then all of a sudden, as I'm kind of deleting a few things off of the queue, there was staring at me. Power slap. Two or three new ones. It says. And I was like, I don't want to see them. I, I already tried the first 10 minutes of them back being back in the house, and I'm not seeing compelling television. But I just didn't want to get up off the couch and do anything else. So I go, all right. I gave in, and I watched it. And I try goes, and I try, but it just – it's like the bare minimum of what it would take to entertain an orangutan like me. <laughs> And and uh, it, it, even then, it, it barely quenches that thirst. Have you peaked at anything having to do with the last couple of weeks? I haven't. Though I saw the first episode, and I might have seen like highlights from the second. I just, man, it's just not my cup of tea. It's beyond me how the president of a successful sports league like the Ultimate Fighting Championship, wants to budget any of his time for this, man. And then his right-hand man, Hunter Campbell, an important executive for the UFC, he's the one that a lot of fighters credit him with getting them into the cage. You know, it was Hunter that pushed the negotiations through and got me to sign up for this deal or that deal or this fight or whatever, this extension. Credit to that guy. Because... They would butt heads with Dana White or one of the matchmakers or whatever. Both of these guys setting all that time aside when they could possibly be sitting down and going, hey, man, we make a lot of money. Let, let, let's start something here in favor of fighters and their futures. You know, some sort of a pension. Let's follow up on that. We introduced it a few years ago. Let, let's, let's, put some, let's allocate some of this time to talking about that. Just a pen and a notebook pad. Let's brainstorm. Let's throw ideas out there. Let's talk about building more PIs. Let's talk. I don't know because I just think there could be more proactive things. Let's make Dana White Contender Series 12 weeks instead of 10. Let's do a winter series of Dana White Contender Series instead of a summer series. I, I just think there, there could be so much that could be happening with with uh, not having to spend time doing this. I, I'm actually not as shocked on the Dana side. What I'm really shocked at is the commission side. That, to me, makes zero sense. I, I don't understand how they were okay with sanctioning something like this. Me neither. And still the same things pop up. I watched the whole episode. They had a practical joke. So, first of all, a couple guys butted in the house. There's a guy named Osriel or something. I don't know if he's a cat or what. But um, uh, Osriel was butting heads with someone else. And... They actually removed him from the house and put him like kind of in a timeout house. So mm-hmm. because he, he wouldn't stop drinking. And so they have that kind of drama going on. They had a practical joke. They moved Osriel's stuff from the house and put it outside. Okay. That's what they do on tough. They butt heads on tough. They drink on tough. I get it, man. All this stuff's happening, right? The dumb thing though is they still weigh in. 
and they still train. And the training still looks like buffoonery to me. You know, do, do you remember the scene in Rocky? I think it was Rocky 1 or Rocky 2 when Rocky. And then what was the black guy's name? He was real quiet. He had he barely had any parts. But was he Johnny or something like that? I don't remember his name. Yeah. Remember when they would sit back to back and they were giving each other the medicine ball? Yeah, he'd slap but, his belly. Yeah, I guess they're doing a little bit of that to maybe build up those twisting muscles, you know, in your uh, in your core. I'm telling you, man, it just looks so ridiculous, you know. And they actually have coaches there, the wins, the wins. They don't have to strip down; they're all making weight. Come on, like, oh, they so they do this, and you know, Dana has to stand in the middle, and he puts his arm in between. He might have to break these two guys up. What are they going to do, slap each other? I mean, it's, oh, my God, Dana, you should be in your chair making fights. And it still makes me mad that he didn't go to last year's International Fight Week. Come out, everyone. It's International Fight Week, the biggest fight week of the year. This is where we bring in all of our biggest stars, and they sign autographs, the Hall of Fame induction, a great card. We always, you know, spice it up a little bit, right? Where's Dana? In Maine, lighting fireworks with his family. (laughs) You know, like, but he, he's there for this, but he's not for there for the most important week of the year. Like, it, it just, oh, my God, man, it drives me nuts. Um, Then they still have these fouls, clubbing, stepping, tripping. Is that me? Which? Oh, yeah. Sorry, sorry about that. Which, by the, the way, like, once they happen, there's nothing you could do unless you got a time machine. Yeah. And by the way, one guy clubbed three times in a row. Clubbing basically is... If I don't get my hand on your cheek or just kind of around it, right? I can't go so high that I slap you in the temple or behind the ear or in the neck. Well, one guy who's been training for the last few weeks goes, and training is basically you just slapping either one of those pads that somebody's holding up or a dummy, and yet he's still clubbed three times in a row. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's all silly, dude. And to see a guy like Mark Smith, Chris Tyone, Jason Herzog, I respect these guys so much, standing there in a crouch-down position, watching, looking out for clubbing and tripping and whatever else, you know, watching to see if it's foul, if it's a foul. <laughs> and Forrest Griffin, Hall of Famer, tough winner, VP for the for the company, he's ready to catch someone too. Like, oh man, it bugs me to no end. These are high-level professionals in the sport that we built, and yet you're setting them back to this deal. Oh, my. Oh, that bothers me so much. So I went through the whole thing. Um, two guys, I think I could slap harder than two guys that were in it. They, they didn't knock each other out, so they went to a decision. Um, uh, th- yeah, there really wasn't too much in terms of that, uh, in terms of the, the, the KOs. One guy blew out his bicep, so he had to slap with his left. <laughs> he tells everyone, well, that's okay. My left's stronger than my right anyway. Well, why wouldn't you be slapping with your left, dummy? Right? If it was, but that's him playing the mind games, trying to psych himself up. Kept saying, I'm the man, I'm the man. And guess what? His two lefts, sorry, I should go with my left. His two lefts, they weren't really doing much. So then he huddles up with the other guy and goes, should I go with my right? He goes, no, man, you blew out your bicep. And um, I guess he still kind of thought that even if it's just the motion, and it might hurt. Should I do it? And the guy goes, no, nah, you might risk injury. And, I, oh, dude, I, I, I've never seen a sport that could make, what's it called? Shuffleboard? The one in the Olympics? Uh, make, uh, curling. 
curling. This thing makes curling look like chess, like uh, I don't know, a World Cup final. Like it makes it look so complex. I'm, I'm never gonna judge curling again. The next time the Olympics come, I think I'm gonna actually do a watch along for curling because that's what this thing has lowered me to. That's how I can get the taste out of my mouth. So are you it? Are you done, or are you, are you in for next week? Anthony Smith said he can't get enough, and I don't know if it's one of those things that I can't get enough because it's it's really that bad, or maybe they caught me on an off week. I don't know. I think I should just take it out of the queue. I, I don't really remember the guy's names too much. I just remember Osriel's name a little bit. He's from San Diego. Um it's kind of cool when they do show their family, you know, like gives them a little bit of shine. Maybe put some money on their in their pocket. I just don't, I think this should be being done by someone else, dude, not by Dana White, the president of the UFC, backed by the Fertitta brothers, the owners of the station's casinos. This should be done by someone else. Like this is, I don't know. This, 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 I don't know. It's just I can't believe we're here. I can't yeah. believe we're, we're doing that. Um. It's it's worse than the drop off of being in the NFL and then going to the USFL. Oh, big time! It's like going from the NFL, Roger Goodell, he's Dana White, and then all of a sudden now he's part of roller derby with monkeys. <laughs> they're not even using humans; they're just they taught monkeys how to roller derby, and now he's overseeing a, a roller derby league with monkeys. I, I it just I don't know the slappers. I love you guys. I if somebody shows me a video, I, I kind of giggle. Oh my god! Wow, I can't believe it. Oh, you know, but I just don't think it's a whole, whole sports league. Um, I definitely wouldn't want to be slapped by one of them. But it, this isn't like to this level. Like not not don't don't consume the time of our of the most some of the most important dudes in our sport. I agree. Um. All right. Uh, Duffy, let's get to Todd Duffy. He's fighting at KSW on February 25th against Phil DeFries, a former opponent. What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes are back with another superstar from the sport of mixed martial arts. Today we get to talk to Todd Duffy. Duffman is back. He is going to be facing Phil DeFries at the KSW Heavyweight uh, Championship that they'll be fighting for. This will be on February 25th. It's coming up here in a few weeks. You can watch the fights on KSW TV. Uh, they're at the Home Credit Arena in the Czech Republic. What's going on, Todd? How are you? I'm great, guys. How are you guys doing? Do you ever think you'd see the day finally? We're <laughs> excited. <laughs> yeah, I'm happy to see good you to guys. See you. I'm happy. Yeah, and, I'm happy to have uh, some good news for you. And I'm glad to see you on a card here. And how about you? I mean, right into the deep end, it's been a few years since you competed, and they got you scheduled for 25 against Phil DeFries yeah. for a time. Yeah, that's no joke at all. Um, I mean, Phil's a legit fighter. Um, he's been doing 25s for a little bit now. Yeah, it's, it's right into the deep end. I didn't expect that. Um, it just worked out that way. Um, I wasn't even, I, I was like, you guys don't want me to do like, a, like, nope, right to it. I'm like, okay. <laughs> right. 
So tell us, you know, update us. You've been away for a while. Um, how long have you been training at a high enough level to accept, um, you know, this type of a fight? Uh, I mean, a 25-minute fight is different than a 15-minute fight for sure. Um, I've been training probably full-time healthy for, I mean, really since 2020. <laughs> um, I think midway through 2020, I was fully recovered maybe uh, – October of 2020, I've been training full time since, um, okay. and it's honestly just it's just been about that waiting game of uh, contracts and negotiation and, and scheduling a fight. It's not as easy as it once was prior to 2020. <clears throat> you were in Vegas. No, I've been in the gym. We were... Right, you were in Vegas while we were in California, and now we're in Vegas, and you're back in California. So, have you been splitting time between Extreme Couture and AKA? Is that where most of your preparation is taking place? Uh, most of my preparation is taking place at AKA. Um, I was going to finish out my camp at, at in Las Vegas. I love Extreme Couture. Um, it's a great environment. What Eric's done over there is amazing. Um, but Kane Velasquez is back helping, so I could not miss that opportunity to work with Kane. Um, there's not a better guy in the business to work with, especially for this particular fight. Um, so it's very exciting. Um, so I had to get my ass back out here and just work with him. I, mean, I couldn't be more happy about it. You're a veteran. You've been doing this for a long time, so you know a lot. But at the same time, so does a guy like Cain Velasquez. That's probably a valuable resource. What what has he kind of told you, I guess, that maybe has resonated? Maybe it was last week. Maybe it was two years ago. But what have you learned from the former UFC champ? I think the number one thing you learn is, like, how Cain carries himself, how he manages situations, uh, his character. I think that's the best thing that you can ever pick up just by being around Cain. Um there's constant tidbits of information, of course. Um, the one thing that Kane does is he simplifies things very quickly and easily um, from a technical standpoint and just from a, like, to even say a life standpoint. Like, he's very quick to go, uh, simple way, simple way, um, which is unbelievably appreciated, especially as someone that's, like, very athletic. Um, it, he makes things a lot easier. Um he just he's very quick to simplify and i think really like when you pick up things like being around kane is just a lift um he has he has this aura of him he's he has this like he has such a great character that it rubs off on you immediately um he's one of those guys that it's like he leads by example but he um again his character like that that rub there's nothing there's nothing like it Todd, so let me ask you a basic question, but one that I, I don't know if I ever really have gotten the answer to. Um, when you are scheduled for 25 minutes, I'm sure you've trained for this scenario, but how do you make sure that in the fight, you, you know, the travel, the weight cut, and then the rehydration, how do you make sure that now come fight time that you can stay strong up here knowing you got the gas tank for 25 minutes like is that just something you have to feel because it's your own body or experience it a few times uh i guess that would be the only thing i'm I, i'm wondering just because of the uh, the layoff yeah i mean the layoff is there uh the travels there that's a big that's a big aspect i leave this saturday ideally i could have got out there three weeks prior or something like that to adjust <clears throat> um i mean 25 minutes i think chael Sonnen says that nobody's made to fight for 25 minutes so uh, if you're controlling the fight, if you're in control of the fight, you can easily go 25 minutes. That's very easy. But if it's a war, if it's a back and forth battle, um, I mean, it's a fight. <laughs> it's 
I mean, there's going to be ebbs and flows to the fight. Uh, I know I'm ready for 25 minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know I'm ready for 25 minutes with Phil in particular. Um, but again, like, I mean, you can't sprint for 25 minutes, you know? Uh, nobody can do that. Marathon runners don't do that. Nobody does that. Um, so it's just more about, like, picking your spots and uh, managing your personal gas tank and managing it within the fight, right? Like, it's very difficult because, like, each each round can be different. You can see guys gas in the middle of the third and then they come back in the fourth and they're fine. You know what I mean? These, these type of things, like, right. um, I, you, see it, you see it quite often. Um, I think it's more of a mental how you mind manage situations. Um, and as long as you can mind manage and take op- take advantage of opportunities given to you, you should be fine. But I mean, like, right. again, I think, I think Chael Sonos, the guy that said is like the human body's not made to fight for 25 minutes. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Hey, Todd, we've actually had the pleasure of watching training sessions and fights with you in the past. And the one thing I've always picked up on is you're very good at seeing things before they actually happen. Like you can kind of, see them coming right you would call for things and then they would happen in the fight and throughout your career i've kind of always wondered like are you kind of your own head coach in a way because i don't see anybody being that much better at that than you at seeing those situations so um i guess my question is when you go down there who's gonna who's gonna be with you and then how how much of that strategy part and all that do you lay in somebody else's hands uh, I try to put as much as I can in my coaches, to be very honest with you. Um, they're on the outside looking in. You're just on the inside. Um, and the inside and outside are two totally different perspectives. Both of them matter extraordinarily, um, but they can see things you cannot see. Um, you're, you're, you're busy dealing with feelings. Um, you're busy dealing with sensations and uh, reactions and timing, whereas they're seeing a bigger picture. Um, I have uh, my, a great Muay Thai coach, Barry. I have a great boxing coach in Nathan. Um, and I have a great grappling coach in Dennis that'll be out there with me. Um, I try to put as much of it on them as possible, to be honest. Um, of course, we go back and forth. Um, they have to understand what I'm thinking in certain scenarios and how I, how my body is responding. Um, but once they learn the fighter, I, I'm, I'm putting it all on them. <laughs> I'm going to be out there making my own choices. Don't misinterpret. But... Uh, I'm definitely good to be guided by them. I trust them. I trust their judgment and I'm going to be listening. I respond pretty well. I always have, um, to my coaches, the words, um, during competition. And, uh, I'm a big believer that's very important because they, they just have a different viewpoint. Um, it always is, you know, you have that, that, that up close perspective and then you have that out view, that out view. And when you can see the bigger picture, you can always see more. You can see kind of what's coming. You can kind of see uh, how things are being managed. Um, you can see the other opponent better sometimes even. Um, so I'm putting it on them. <laughs> gotcha. And then you're uh, so you know you're familiar with Phil. Can you tell us what you think of him as an opponent when that name was brought to you? And how do you think he's changed throughout the years? Uh, I mean, I think Phil's incredibly tough. I thought he was very tough when we fought the first time. Um, you know, I, I mean, I can tell you what Phil said in his own interviews is that he's, uh, he's dealt with his anxiety. Um, and he, he, he acquits or claims that his resurgence in his career has everything to do with him, you know, his anxiety medication and managing anxiety. Um, so I, I can't really... Has he changed? Um, yeah, he's matured quite a bit. Um, he's gotten a lot more physical, it looks like. Um, 
you know, he's developed as a fighter, but he's still pretty much still to freeze. He doesn't change, you know, he's not, he hasn't, you can only change so much, right? Um, I think he's definitely grown is how I look at it. I don't know how much he has changed. Um, he's got, he doesn't have hair now. He's probably harder to choke. <laughs> uh, Todd, so, you know, at 37, that's still, uh, I wouldn't say young, but, you know, it, it, for heavyweights, that, that's an age where a lot of heavyweights have succeeded and won titles and, you know, performed some of the, you know, in some of their best fights. Uh, and so I wanted to ask you, I guess, one benefit, if there can be a, a, a silver lining in injuries and time off is you only have 12 fights on your body. I mean, you probably had a lot of camps and a lot of recovery, but uh, in terms of like actual punishment, you know, violence that, that you've had to take in, not as much as others, 37, you're not a flyweight. So again, how do you feel about what might be coming in the next few years do you think your body's now equipped that you think everything is in the uh, rear view mirror in, in terms of the stuff that's already troubled? We, we can't forecast what happens ahead of time, ahead of time, but maybe the stuff that's lingered in the past. Um, I definitely think like with age, I've learned how to train properly. Like in my twenties, we train like, maniacs. you know, one of my main training partners was Forrest Griffin. And, and then another one was Tiago Silva. Like both guys are notorious for overtraining. And I was right there with them as a heavyweight. So it was even easier for me to overtrain. I got myself wrapped on my Alice's twice in my career. <laughs> I actually fought, um, uh, who was it? I fought uh, Anthony Hamilton, and I had been diagnosed four weeks prior with a rhabdomyolysis. Um, so I, I definitely, with age, I've grown on how I develop uh, my training camps and how I, how I train. I'm a lot smarter there. I'm a lot safer. Um, you know, I, you can't you can't predict whether you're going to fall through a cage or not. Those those things happen. That's that's what happened to me. You know, recently that's kind of kept me in and out of the sport. Uh, when I fell through the cage with Blagway um, in 2018, that was kind of the you know that's cost me a lot of time. Uh, but I feel like from like you just said, like I have the, uh, my brain's still here, uh, my reflexes are still here, and my physicality, my athleticism is still here. And you'll definitely see that on display, you know, next weekend. Um, I feel like I have a good five or six years. Um, like you said, I haven't taken the punishment. I've probably got ready for 25 camps, especially when I was younger. From like 18 to 23, I had, I wouldn't say less than 15 fights fall out on me. Um, you know, that was a different era. It was very difficult to get fights back then. Um, but even then, I've I've always been pretty good about not taking damage in the gym, not getting in too many gym wars. Uh, I personally feel... I have a good five or six years left. I think uh, like a year or two ago, I looked at the average age of the UFC heavyweight. They were 36. Um, you know, so I don't, I don't have this idea that I'm, I'm too old or anything like that. I feel very competitive. I'm not seeing young 20 year olds that are more physical or more athletic than me yet. So I, again, I feel pretty confident in that aspect. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Todd also late last year, we heard some rumors about BKFC. So first question is, is KSW, uh, are you exclusive to them, or can you do other types of uh, combat sports primarily? Uh, when I go, yeah, when I go win that belt, I'm uh, definitely exclusive to KSW. Uh, BKFC is why I ask out of my UFC contract. Um, that's kind of where I'm going to leave that. Like, um, I was in a bad place. Kane, Kane was not in the gym. I didn't have the training partners I wanted. Uh, I'd taken a full-time job, so it seemed easier to get ready for a boxing match at the time. Um, then I had some, I had some frustrations with the UFC that, you know, looking back now, I think, 
I have a different perspective on. Um, I was just in a, a particular place in my life and it seemed like a good choice. It didn't work out for whatever reason. Um, I can't really, I don't have the reason as to why that didn't work out. Like I spent a year getting ready to fight in BKFC and I, uh, you know, I was there ready. Um, it just, I never got the, I never got that, um, never got those fights in. So, um, I will be exclusive to KSW. Um, and I'm very excited about that. I think it's a great organization. They've been very easy to deal with. Um, I think they, they are very upfront. They're very open. They're very honest, which I can appreciate. There's not a lot of games. There's not a lot of, um, I don't know. I mean, it's a, it's that, that promoter's world's very wide. Uh, and I mean, it's a great show. If you look at the show over there, it's, uh, it's impressive, you know, it's mm -hmm. a big, huge crowd. Uh, and again, like they're just, they're very easy to work with. Um, there's no complaints on my end at all. Todd, it's great to see you back in the mix and Hey, straight into a title fight. That's awesome. KSW TV folks is where you can watch the fight on the 25th of February. So we're just a couple weeks away. My man says he's already flying out on Saturday and uh, you know we'll be tuning in. So thanks for the time. Hope to catch up with you now frequently as you hopefully have a busy 2023. That's the plan. Thank you guys very much. I appreciate it. Always good catching up with Duff, man. He's uh, been in the sport for a long time, and to be in the sport for that long and still only have 12 MMA fights, it just goes to show you how much bad luck he's had in the sport, man, whether it's yeah. controversies with, you know, his dealings with promotions or injuries or anything else falling through the cage falling like through the cage yeah it's bad man but i'm glad that he's optimistic and that uh you know he's he's got that one punch knockout power but he really is like a a technical fighter when he needs to be so we'll have to see yeah well i'm glad that you know tying it into Cain Velasquez Cain Velasquez is uh you know with his family no longer in jail and helping a teammate. We really haven't talked much about Cain Velasquez since he's been out, but it was good to kind of hear his name pop up. Yeah, it's good to see him back in the gym, you know. Uh, I don't know what that could possibly lead to because obviously he's got to make money. I know he did, like, some pro wrestling, right, since he's gotten out. Mm -hmm. um, but it's just good to see him in there. I would agree. All right, one last thing here. This week, uh, well, no, I, I should mention this. Our Danny Segura caught up with Jorge Masvidal. Jorge Masvidal says the stars are aligning. He's got his matchup in Miami that's coming up against Gilbert Burns for UFC 286. No, sorry. Yeah, 86. And, of course, Jorge is, you know, grown up in Miami. He's the king of Miami, he says. So, And, and I think this is the UFC's first return to Miami in in 20 years for an actual fight night. They've done the whole Fort Lauderdale thing, Sunrise, Florida, I believe it was another one. But back in Miami, this is the first one back, and they come back with uh, Pajeda versus Israel Adesanya, Gilbert Burns versus uh, Jorge Masvidal, and uh, even Chris Curtis versus Kevin Gaston. Calvin Gaston, it's another big one there. So check that out. Check out that article. And uh, the other thing I wanted to mention was this weekend, it will not be Talia Santos against Aaron Blanchfield. It will be Aaron Blanchfield against... Jessica Andrade, I'm sure some of you know that, but it may have got swept under the rug because last week was a big week. And this is a big fight. However, Jessica Andrade is trying to parlay that goes into a shot versus Zhang Wei Li. Now, of course, Andrade can do strawweight, flyweight, or bantamweight. 
this will be a, a, a flyweight fight, but she wants it to count for her stock with the company. Like, I just did you a solid. Remember me when it's time to book Jean Wei Li. And I kind of like that. I kind of like that she threw it out there. Uh, and she can throw it out there because she's been a multi-weight fighter. It's smart. And I think she deserves that, you know, if she can pull that off because um, she has kind of been a, a company fighter. And I mean, dude, I still see her like improving. I Me think too. She's getting better. So I don't have a problem with it. That standing arm guillot- or arm triangle she had on Amanda Lemos last year was amazing. She slapped that on so quick, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and again, to be able to do it at, at, at different weight classes, the slam over Nama Yunus, no one will ever forget the forget about that. But anyway, um, just wanted to point that out. Blanchfield, by the way, is a tough, tough girl. Oh, yeah. Really, really strong. And if she gets you down, it, it's 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 I wouldn't say curtains, but boy. She's able to really, really control and and win rounds. So keep an eye out for her. She could be someone that's tougher, Valentina Shoshenko, if she can get Valentina Shoshenko down. I think she has to win this fight. This is a tough one. Uh, Valentina obviously has Jessica. Uh, sorry, uh, uh, what the hell, the Mexican Alexa Grasso. Yeah, and I, I don't want to overlook her, but. Alexa Grasso said it herself. She wanted one more fight before she got Valentina. She didn't get the one more fight. That was her telling you, telling us, as honest as she can, I need more work. I need more work. But I guess you can't pass up the title shot. Maybe they added an extra zero to the check. I don't know, but that fight's right around the corner. And by the way, Alexa Grasso, the fighter that's pulled out of the most fights in UFC history. Uh, So I'm not trying to jinx it or anything, but just be ready, flyweights. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine if she wins, goes. When they do go back to Mexico, That'd her as champ, Moreno as champ, and Rodriguez as interim champ. Oh, my God. That is yeah. Azteca Stadium all over it. All right, folks. We're going to get on out of here. We got Manchester United versus Barcelona. Check that out. It's Europa League. Should be a, a good match. And, uh, of course, keep it locked on MMA Junkie throughout the week, always, as we cover the news from all angles on our award-winning website. The app is free, and it's back, and it's popping on all tablets and all smartphones. And lastly, uh, SBC Spinning Back Click live every Monday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. Catch myself and goes along with our colleagues as we discuss the latest big news coming out of the weekend. All right, folks, we're out of here. Go out and be a champion. We'll talk to you soon. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.